0: This is I Loved This Conversation. I'm Alex Salzberg. On June 18th, you may remember that uh, submarine imploded and five people died, do you remember that? Stay with me, I promise I'm going somewhere that's more relevant to right now. Um, So that sub imploded and I remember when I opened social media that day, what I saw more than anything else on my feeds, on my algorithms, was people mocking the five people who died in the sub lol how could they be so stupid to get on a janky submarine driven by a playstation controller dumb rich guys obsessed with the titanic and maybe this was my algorithm but i wouldn't be surprised if some of you had some of the same vibes i'm not here to say there's like no place for dark humor or for that darwin awards type of stuff um do you guys remember those books If that's your thing, you do you. Uh, If you know me well, you know I'm like not above dark humor. But on that day, like I just sort of felt bad for the people in the submarine and it felt kind of cruel and icky to pile on. I kept that to myself, but I saw a few people on social media expressing basically how I felt. Like, hey, people died. They have families who might see your jokes. Uh, You want to like ease up a little bit. And that's when it kind of took a turn for me because the people who expressed that empathy were criticized harshly and told that they were wrong. And I'm not talking about like, eh, lighten up, just let us have our fun, dark humor. That would be one thing. I could get behind that. It was much more specific. It was, hey, the people who died in the submarine were rich. So I guess you care about billionaires who are inherently bad more than you care about the working class people. You're not progressive. You're a capitalist. You're a bootlicker, a class trader. Like the message was clear. Uh, Your empathy is wrong and for the wrong person, and it's not cool, and you should talk yourself out of it. I really, I'm serious. I remember having this feeling on the internet that day of kind of like, ooh ooh, this seems like it's going the wrong direction. Um, it's not the first time that I thought social media was bad for us, or that algorithms like help us dehumanize each other, but this was such a clear overlap of like a purposeful lack of empathy with this like sort of political language And it just felt extra dark. It just felt like social media had finally totally evolved into a place where we encourage each other to reason ourselves out of empathy. On October 7th, told you I was going somewhere with this. Sorry that it's going here. Hamas invaded Israel. You've seen the news. Uh, They invaded a music festival in several towns. They murdered over a thousand people, wounded a lot of people. They took people of all ages hostage. As of recording this, most of those people are still hostages. If you're a regular listener, you know that um, Tel Aviv has been a second home for myself and my wife Mia. Before we met, she'd lived there for many years. We were thankfully safe in Boston on October 7th. But for us and like a lot of people in our community and our family, that day and the next few days were a day of extreme grief and worry and frantic texting to track down our friends and our family there. On that same day, I opened social media because <laughs> I open social media every day because I'm addicted to it. And I was shocked to see a lot of stuff that um, I can only describe as like justifying Hamas, in some cases explicitly supporting Hamas, in some cases downplaying the humanity of the people that Hamas just murdered, just kidnapped. Some of these posts were just from people I didn't know. Some of them were shared and signal boosted by friends and colleagues. Um, And these were things that all but justified murder and kidnapping and all the stuff that my community was grieving. All these people who I love and care about who are connected to people who were in those towns and at that festival. I saw people arguing about how much empathy to have. For who? Which calls for empathy are propaganda and which ones are real? People making assumptions that having empathy for one group means you don't have empathy for another group. People encouraging others to reason themselves out of empathy, using political science lingo, resistance, decolonization, and maybe this was just my feed. Maybe yours was all puppies or staged couple pranks, which is the only thing worse than terrorist attacks. But I know that many in my community of Jewish people, I know from conversations I've had, saw people telling them that their grief and their empathy was wrong. And they saw people reasoning their way out of having empathy for the people they knew, and in some cases, the people they lost. And I don't know, it, it's so like hacky and cliche to blame social media. I know that. But I have to think that the current state of social media, whether it's the platforms, the technology, the culture on there, or some combination, I just think social media has hit this place where it just discourages empathy. It makes it uncool. And when it does encourage empathy, it has to be at the expense of empathy for someone else. And I think it's rotting us. I, I Sorry, I don't have anything like more hopeful to say. I just think it is. I think it's like rotting us politically on all ends of this political spectrum. And I don't think any notch on the political spectrum is above this kind of shit right now. I don't know the solution. Like we talk all the time about hating social media for smaller reasons, like imposter syndrome and hustle culture and all of that. But this feels darker. Like I know we quote unquote need social media. Like I will probably reinstall it on my phone to promote this episode. But like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So all I can do is like, beg you, if you see something on social media that makes you question like how chill it is to have empathy for someone, proceed with caution, no matter how many fancy political science words they use. No matter how good of a case they make, logically, for you to not have empathy, don't let social media posts talk you out of empathy, even if it makes you feel like if you put your empathy aside for a moment, you'd be more educated or cooler or more progressive or whatever. They're trying to convince you. And I'm not above this. I know that this is hard. I know why we are tempted to reason ourselves out of empathy because it's easier, right? It's so much more comfortable to just pick the area you're empathetic for You know, today, it's October 30th, this war continues and the right-wing government in Israel is continuing its invasion of Gaza and as a result, thousands of civilians have been killed and there's just not enough food and power and internet and medicine and it's just a fucked-up situation. And I can see on social media, in some corners of my community the same community that is grieving, that could have used a little more empathy on October 7th, I can see us being tempted to reason our way out of empathy. Oh, well, yeah, but they voted for Hamas in 2006. Well, they use civilians as human shields, so what can we do? You know, Arab countries also aren't helping them. You know, they lost this war in 1940, 60, whatever, whatever. (laughs) I should read a book. Um, And when I see those posts, it's tempting for me to reason myself out of empathy because I'm so sad. It's so much more comfortable to forgo the heaviness of grieving for people in my community while also grieving for the people being affected by the response. So I get it. But like, please, and I'm saying this to myself and I'm saying this to you, let's not be tempted by this. Empathy is not a commodity. Spending it on one group of people does not use it up and leave none left for another. I think personally, it's a muscle. It's like a skill we can develop. It's a skill that saves lives. We can practice it or we can let it rot and atrophy. Like working on a muscle, like it, I get it. It's painful, right? I, the gym is painful. It's so heavy. But let's please try. I'm going to keep trying to practice it. I'm going to keep trying to practice it in the conversations I have here and the conversations I have in the rest of my life. I'm going to seek out conversations that help me practice it. Um, I hope you'll join me. And yeah, okay. Uh, This is usually where I would introduce our guests, but I feel like we need a palate cleanser. So one second. (sighs) Okay. Hi, welcome back to I Love This Conversation. I'm Alex Salzberg. I'm an indie animator, animation director, writer, podcaster. This is a podcast where I talk to creative people in my growing creative community about what's going on in our creative lives. My hope is that it feels like getting coffee with your creative friend and just getting into it and talking about everything and getting to know each other even better. I'm at my desk in Boston, thankfully. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of mixed feelings, but I'm grateful to not be at my desk in Tel Aviv right now. I usually talk more about what I'm going through personally, but actually all that stuff I said about social media kind of is what I'm going through. The other thing I'm going through is my new baby, Shelby. And talk about life being such an overlap of uh, highs and lows, Um, but Shelby is healthy and adorable and I love her and I'll, I'm sure, talk more about her as time goes on. But my guest, who you'll hear from in a moment, finally, uh, is cartoonist and illustrator Anna Tirado, who draws the comics Porkless and Holy Moshe over on our Instagram. Anna is originally from Barcelona, but now lives in Tel Aviv. And that big life change is a lot of what her work is about. Anna's so cool. I loved meeting her. I just, I loved her energy. I think you will too. I should mention, this was recorded back in July. So if you're wondering why we don't mention the stuff happening that's why but we do actually touch on like all the mass protests against the israeli government that have been happening there for months and months and months and we talk about empathy a little bit so i actually think that's really fitting anna i'm sorry that your episode got mixed with my super serious social media rant also i've said this to you privately but i'll say again i hope you and your family over there are okay shelby if you listen to this, I'm sorry that your podcast birth announcement was mixed in with my rant about social media, which I'm hoping your generation thinks is disgusting and outdated, like smoking indoors, we can hope, right? But in the meantime, if anyone has any questions for me about Israel, Palestine, I'm an open book if you DM me nicely about it on social media. Um, I am not an expert on anything, but I have my perspective um, from living there and being connected with what's going on through a lot of people that I care about. So I'll answer anything, honestly, if you want to hear, you know, about people, give me a shout. Um, All right, (laughs) enough of that. Let's meet our guest and hear her connection to me.
1: Okay, so I'm Anna, and uh, my connection to you is basically, uh, you texted me on Instagram. Um, (laughs) That's, uh, I don't know you at all. Yeah,
0: but uh, welcome. I'm so happy you're doing (laughs) this. And uh, yeah, I've been following you on Instagram. I love your comics about uh, adjusting to life in in Tel Aviv and being from another country. And I I relate to many things, so I'm excited to talk about that. And then I'm also a cartoonist, so I'm excited to talk about that.
1: Amazing. Uh,
0: What is something that is currently going on? In your creative life
1: there's a lot going on in my creative <laughs> life uh, Love it. but i think that i want to explain it from the beginning because uh, basically i opened this instagram account a year and a half ago something like that i i actually i have to say that i have a big imposter syndrome like right now because uh, you texted me and you said like uh, I would like to invite you and I don't consider myself an illustrator or a cartoonist or anything uh, I happen to have an iPad and uh, basically I started drawing my life in Tel Aviv and it's something that I really enjoyed I've been (laughs) doing it for a year and a half but at this point I was getting kind of bored of it. (laughs) Drawing about myself all the time was uh, kind of tiring, or yeah. kind of like I don't know, a little bit. It felt like a little bit self-centered, and uh, I was basically bored of myself. And <laughs> I thought I could not add more things about my life in Tel Aviv. It's like yeah. a, After three years, uh, you run out of ideas, or <laughs> I don't know. And I was thinking about building something bigger, and uh, I came up with this idea that I've been like cooking for a while <laughs> my idea was building Kind of a world, like kind of try to tell it with (laughs) other characters that were not me.
0: Cool. And so this is, from what I've seen, this is the Holy Moshe, right? Holy Moshe. So yeah, tell us about Holy Moshe. I I think there's two or three comics up now. right Yes,
1: it's really recent, but I've been uh, working a lot on it. I got really obsessed about it, and basically is uh, everything that I was already talking about in Parkless, but placed in this orthodox religious family yeah and i had this idea of doing these kind of cartoons or this kind of comics that would have this format of newspaper comics yeah. which is something that i grew up with same and, that was my yes. favorite
0: thing growing up that's it, what i wanted to be when i grew up yeah
1: wow But Well, you do actually something very similar.
0: Yeah, I do animation. So it's like that, but just way more (laughs) drama. What have I done? What made you choose this family of Orthodox Jews as the characters?
1: Because I go to work every day on the bus (laughs) and I uh, pass by... Neivrak, which is the Orthodox city. And I just sit down there on the bus with a bunch of Orthodox people, and I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> I think it's super interesting. Yeah. And I wanted to build a world that would be different, but relatable. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it in my mind. (laughs) Makes sense. But I wanted to see all these people that I see every day that I see it. And it's, it fascinates me because it's something super like far away from everything that I know, but take all this world and put it in my, (laughs) I don't know, like in my kind of storytelling and kind of understand that You can do the same jokes and the same situations are gonna happen but in this orthodox environment
0: so it sounds like as you're sitting on the bus you're like imagining (laughs) what they're talking about or what they're doing at home yes Um, it's it's
1: the same as you could do like in any like in any place in Barcelona I would do exactly the same but in here just you know you can just uh, fantasize much more about like the secret (laughs) lives of these people
0: and you said you got kind of like obsessed with this idea I think you mentioned when we talked On Instagram, you're like, oh, thank God, I'm coming <laughs> on a podcast so I can talk about this.
1: Yes, I'm very obsessive, and I thought about how to build this, and I have like characters that I know <laughs> that they're gonna appear like in like 20 in 20 cartoons from oh, wow. now. Cool. I know that I want to introduce a character that will bring this subject. So. Basically, is everything in my head, and then when I explain it, uh, <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah, you
0: mentioned having imposter syndrome. Is that about this idea particularly, or just in general as an illustrator?
1: In general, because I am not. Like, I, I really am <laughs> not an illustrator. I'm, I always draw. Like, uh, yeah. I, I never stopped drawing, but I never did it professionally All my life I've been drawing in notebooks, like with a pencil, like that's it. That's everything I've done all my life.
0: I love your drawings. You're an incredible (laughs) cartoonist. They're very animated. They're intentional, but also like very loose in a way that has so much light. So like, it doesn't surprise me that you've been drawing your whole life.
1: I started journaling when I was uh, traveling, but when I was uh, very little, my parents uh, traveled a lot and I, I was very lucky and I traveled a lot with them. And as a kid, my parents would tell me every day you have to have like 10 minutes write what you what yeah. we did today.
0: That's cool actually. Um, you, m- you may have been like, uh. Yeah, but... of course.
1: I was like, uh, this is, <laughs> that, this is awful. I don't want to do it. Yeah,
0: well, I have homework on vacation. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it was really cool that they actually forced me a little bit to do it. I want to say force me and not encourage <laughs> me. Like I w- <laughs> <laughs> like
0: I want to be very clear. Uh, they I, made I will be this, very yeah. clear that
1: it was forcing and not encouraging. But it was really cool because at some point I was like, I really don't want to write I feel so lazy to yeah. write it. Like, I started drawing. I was, like, six or seven years old, and I'm like, Mom, can I just draw it yeah. instead of writing it? <laughs> so it kind of became an inside joke for my family because I would do comics about our trips. And it would be something that, in this case, they would encourage because yeah. uh, they thought it was funny. And I would <laughs> uh, draw characters that we would see like that we would meet uh, during the trip or even characters that we didn't we had like this uh, trip to india i was 14 and uh, i got really obsessed about uh, what we were eating Mm. and i have a lot of drawings of the cook that cooked the meal yeah which i never saw i would like stop and draw like okay this is the person that cooked this right meal. Th- and this
0: relates i think to holy moshe because you're you're seeing these people on the bus and you're like what's their family like what's their it, home like yeah, it's like exactly you're thinking of a whole universe
1: i thought that the food was uh like in one specific place was really dirty the place and everything yeah. and i'm Drew like a very messy cook, and from there, like I think that my dad found it funny, and then yeah. I continued with that, saying, "Okay, you just I'm just gonna draw the cook," and it's really funny because when we as a family remember that trip, it's just like, "Oh, remember that cook? We yeah. never saw him." But like they remember that guy. He's
0: there, yeah. He's
1: there, and it's actually really really cool. I think that it was it was a cool exercise.
0: So what, what made you, because um, it's, it's one thing to like pick up an iPad and be like, all right, I'm going to keep getting better at drawing and all of that. What made you be like, I'm going to post these for the world to see? And it's it's gotten an audience. I mean, I imagine many people here in Tel Aviv, at least there's people from all over the world who are getting used to this crazy place, yes. um, including me. But also just anyone who is feels like a fish out of water can relate to your comics. What made you take that first step and post that first comic?
1: people around me telling me to do it yeah that was mainly the main reason people saying like listen you should share it why don't you do this why don't you like share your (laughs) your things and at at some point you i don't know you get some courage and you're like okay yeah let's do it
0: what did it feel like when you first hit post
1: super nervous i'm always (laughs) thinking that uh, it's uh, it's not good or, or like who would like this It's amazing when people react, when you get messages. It's super cool.
0: Are you feeling that all over again with this new comic?
1: I was kind of nervous because when I shared the idea and the comic with my Spanish friends, everybody was like, we don't understand it. Like, this is complete nonsense. We don't, we cannot relate. We, we don't understand it. This is your thing there in Israel. We are just not understanding what this is the story about. And when I would share the comic with my Israeli friends, everybody would be like, but this is not accurate. And I found myself kind of like rooting for this idea that i really believe in yeah that is like listen the story is about the it's about the characters right uh, it's about uh, the situations that they're in
0: it almost sounds like people misunderstanding the idea is motivating you to like get it out there yeah. are you kind of like i'll show them they're gonna get it
1: yes because obviously when i show only one only one mm-hmm. cartoon only people say oh it's pretty or i yeah. i like the character but i don't understand exactly everything and And something that keeps me motivated, it's thinking that it's a part of something much bigger and you're going to get to know these people. And it doesn't have to be... Like, all the cartoons in Porkless were really direct and there was a punchline and that was it. And... In holy Moshe, it does does not have to be funny all the time. Right. And sometimes I feel misunderstood, and I hope that you understand me with this, because I really want to talk it out with somebody. Yeah,
0: happy to. (laughs) Um,
1: Because here in Israel, I feel like... they don't have this background of these kind of uh, newspaper cartoons.
0: Interesting. Were there specific Spanish ones or were yeah. you reading like Snoopy and all the? those? Yeah, yeah, like
1: it's more like Snoopy or like the Argentinian Mafalda, mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. These were my favorites and mm-hmm. this is how I grew up. And when I share it with my Israeli friends, everybody's like, but this does not have a punchline and to me it's like very complicated to explain that it does not have to have a punchline maybe it comes afterwards and the story is it's a story that you explain in three pieces but then it can continue and this is gonna change and in winter there's gonna be snow you know (laughs)
0: it's like you want them to live with the characters yes yeah I've had a lot of times where I'm afraid to show people work because I know they're not going to understand. And I'm just like, I don't want to think about that. I'm inspired that you are motivated by that. Like you want to prove them wrong. Is there something about your personality in general where no, you no, like the hook not at all.
1: No. I don't know. I just I it's just telling people it's not finished. You're yeah. gonna understand it when you read a hundred, then you tell me if you don't get it. But obviously if you get one Snoopy cartoon, it's just sometimes it's just Snoop like it's three times yeah. the same drawing and Snoopy's just, just sleeping. Just hanging out. just hanging out. They're yeah. just hanging out. <laughs> Nothing happens in this in this right. comic. It's not meant for you to laugh at out loud this is not what i want you to feel when you when you see
0: it let's back up because i only know you through your comics which actually is to get to know you a little (laughs) bit because they they were journal comics but i do want to kind of back up and hear your story of coming here
1: i had no connection whatsoever to israel not at all
0: and you're not jewish correct i'm not
1: jewish no i'm from barcelona and i actually matched on tinder with somebody from israel that i never met and I was very bored in that moment <laughs> in my life, and I continued talking uh, with this person. And at some point, I was freelancing at the time. I was really ready for adventure, and I was like, "Listen, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna travel. Why uh, so, not?"
0: So he was in Israel. He wasn't visiting Barcelona. He was
1: visiting Barcelona, uh. but we never met. We matched. Then he left. We never met, and uh, we continued talking. And uh, at some point, I was saying like, "Listen." I would come to Israel. I would want to know who you are, but I don't want to go to uh, Israel to meet you like right. I'm not I'm not uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not that crazy. I was like, I'm not that crazy, I'm not gonna go to meet you. Right. So I'm just going to build up an excuse that will bring me to Israel <laughs> yeah. somehow. Just
0: passing through, just passing. happen to be in the neighborhood. Exactly, yeah, this yeah. kind
1: of thing. I was freelancing at the time. I actually started freelancing because I thought, wow, I can travel the world. I can <laughs> yeah. work from wherever. Uh, <laughs> what so kind of
0: work are you doing? Freelance? I
1: was organizing events. Okay, cool. But uh, I took the opportunity to take these uh, work away things that you're volunteering. So I, I was volunteering in a hostel for two months. Here in Central Tel Aviv, and uh, when I arrived to the hostel, basically I fell in love with the receptionist that was <laughs> there. Four years later, here I am, married, ah. and uh, <laughs> and living in Israel. Um, so the
0: reception—that's not the guy from Tinder. No, no, okay, no. Like, so, it was like yeah.
1: I, I literally—I always joke saying that I married <laughs> the first person that I <laughs> saw when I when I arrived. And uh, basically we, we met uh, because he was the receptionist of the hostel yeah. at that time. I was volunteering here for a couple of months. Uh, he came to Barcelona, I came back to uh, Israel a couple of times. And uh, the last time that I came to visit was, uh, it happened to be in March 2020. I came here for a couple of weeks stayed two years without coming back to Barcelona, (laughs) they closed everything and uh, in that moment like we were dating for four or five months, something like okay, that. Okay,
0: yeah, we were like in the same boat, yeah? except in Boston, but yeah.
1: Wow. So we were dating for four months, yeah. we, we got stuck together, and then it was uh, one year and a half, more than a year and a half, that I could not go back to my house, yeah. my family, everything. Got obsessed about things that I had at home that I didn't close, like, you didn't close that bottle. Oh, like, no. <laughs> uh, I was obsessed about yeah. that for a year and a half.
0: Wow. So during that time, I mean, this, this gets into like all the stuff you write about, but it seems like you were still planning to kind of go back and forth and then got stuck here for longer. How did you feel? Like, was there a point where you started to feel more at home?
1: you you wanna get into the <laughs> into the feeling of like leaving home and like the, living in another place yeah
0: oh definitely i mean i'm sure i'll relate to some of it
1: what is your situation right now
0: we're about to have a baby uh-huh. so, yeah i've
1: noticed <laughs> <laughs>
0: very exciting um so the past couple of years we've kind of just been going back and forth based on like work stuff and family stuff and and timing we're having the baby in boston and we're trying to decide what we want to do next like We both think we want to spend some more time here, but then there's also reasons for us to be in the United States. So we're in a question and answer phase.
1: How is like, do you feel like culture shock?
0: Kind of. I'm curious if you relate. Like, I feel like... If I have, like, energy, if I'm, like, in a good mood and I go out and do my Tel Aviv stuff, coffee, beach, whatever, you know, then it, like, gives me more energy to be Mm -hmm. in a foreign place. Because it's, like, interesting and I'm learning and I'm meeting new people and I'm not very good at Hebrew, but learning, like, one to two Hebrew words a year. Um, A year? I thought you were going to say a day. No, oh, God, no. (laughs) I wish. But then... If I'm like a little tired or like in a bad mood, I feel like it takes extra energy to go out into the world because I'm like, oh, OK, I want a cup of coffee, but then I got to like speak Hebrew. And then if they ask a follow up question, then I have to like stare at them. And
1: I relate to the amount of effort that it takes to just face the
0: world. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. And I think it's a good thing, like because you take it for granted when you're at home and everything's just. I mean, not always easy, but like you know your way around and yeah. everything. Yeah,
1: the daily issues that you have, the daily problems. It's everything. It's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it never stops being exciting. Sometimes I would like wonder, okay, this is gonna finish at some point. Right. This is gonna end at some point. You're gonna be Israeli and you're gonna be super integrated. <laughs> and it's not gonna. Uh, it's not gonna be an issue to go to the store like right. or, or interact with people. It's always nice. It's a, like it's always a challenge and, then, and a challenge in a in a good way, I think. Yeah.
0: Is there anything like from your Barcelona self, your Spanish self that like you're holding on to really tightly that you're like, as long as I'm here, I don't want to lose this.
1: I'm questioning myself all the time about all these things. Now it's been uh, three years that I'm here. Yeah. And I feel like I'm in this point where you're feeling like you're losing that self that you were Mm. before, which I think that i was holding on to all this feeling of belonging to barcelona or like, like the friends that the life that i had in yeah. there right now i feel like i'm in a point of no return in this sense of um, if i don't move back right now to barcelona yeah. It's there, like Israel, Tel Aviv, and like the the life that you have in here, it weighs a lot. Like it's very important on, on on who you are right now.
0: Is that a scary feeling? It is. Yeah. It
1: is. After three years, before when you come back to Barcelona, everybody's excited to see yeah. you, and everybody is like, "Wow, you're here again." When you've done that three or four times, it's <laughs> not that exciting, That's... and it's so sad.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so
1: sad, but you have to uh, you have to get like to get used to the idea that okay, it's not. Gonna to be exciting anymore to right. everybody that you're back and i'm in the point where i'm like trying to figure out where like where to put all these pieces of my life mm. how to how <laughs> to arrange it when you start understanding that uh, you're not as attached to your hometown as as you were before it's also like uh, losing in this kind of like self uh, that part of you is going away and you don't know exactly how to handle it
0: yeah oh man you're you're like opening things up in my brain i mean now i'm at a point where we're going back this is the first time i'm like feeling sad about leaving here both other times it was mixed because i like it here but i was also like excited to go back yeah yeah, so it's been weird, but that is a weird thing because I I don't recognize that in myself because it's so new.
1: It reaches a point. It reaches a point where where you see that you actually are happy in a place. And uh, what can you do? Like at the end, it's something that it's uh, inside of you that it's telling you, keep 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 being in here. Like find your place. You stay. What what can you do? But yeah, it comes with all these uh, mourning of uh, who you were. Yeah, and uh, it's it's tough.
0: Right. I'm curious because I'm always asking myself this question, like not everyone, right, would have this path that you had or even that I had. Probably a lot of people would take a trip to a new country, but not everyone would meet someone, (laughs) fall in love and stay. Some people would meet someone, say this isn't going to work and be sad and leave. What is it about you? Do you think that made you stay or eventually stay rather than just be like, well, this will never work?
1: I don't know. It, it, I I sometimes think about when was the time that I actively took the decision, and uh, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. I never actively made the the step of saying okay i'm gonna move to tel aviv it just happened very organically actually and in the relationship was exactly like that like i'm gonna keep with this till it does not make me happy and uh, and it never arrived at that point never arrived
0: yeah i relate to that but I'm always like, what is it about me that I didn't stop it? Which is like, I'm glad I didn't. (laughs) Because I've loved going back and forth. I, I love my relationship. But like, I'm always wondering. I never thought of myself as a boring person. But I've never been like, adventure, impulsive. So I wonder like... Here's a way of asking you. The first time you told your family, like, I fell in love with this guy in Tel Aviv. I'm going to start going back and forth. I might move here for a bit. Were they surprised or were they like, oh, classic Anna?
1: Uh, I think it was more like the second one. Okay. Yeah, it was more like the second one. And I think actually they were like a little bit more mad about it because of it. This is something that I, I actually think a lot that even if I'm here... Yeah. For more than three years, that I have my job, my life, my friends, yeah. and my husband. Yeah, I think that uh, everybody secretly holds into this feeling of like it's a face Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and
1: it's kind of like annoying, like just to have that vibe. It's just like it's not the face right. it's my life it's
0: my life yeah i feel like we have a different version of that which is that like both of us are from boston everyone just assumes like well eventually they'll get it out of their system um, and come back to boston and it's not as simple as that for us and now that we're having a baby everyone's like oh well now they're back exactly. it's like well you know
1: exactly that is uh yeah that is um, <laughs> tough because also yeah like uh for us it's the same like uh, the moment that you know that you're gonna have a baby it's just uh but you're gonna come back but you're gonna have the baby in europe huh? right <laughs> and everybody take it for granted and yeah. and sometimes it's just, how would i start preparing the way to say like maybe no like yeah. maybe i i maybe i don't take the smart decision i talked to my mom and i was just like listen we both know that, it, that the smart choice is to go back to Barcelona, right. we both know that we have my family support, the apartment, we have everything. It's just like we have a, a red carpet there welcoming us. But uh, there's something that uh, keeps you here. What can you do? It's just like uh, knowingly that it's not the most convenient, that it comes with a lot of problems, a lot of issues, that you're gonna have to face tough decisions farther into uh, into the whole story but at the end of the day you feel you feel like you have to stay i don't know i don't know how to explain it
0: well i <laughs> want to kind of like bring it back around into your work the comics you've been drawing for the past yes. year and a half or so yeah you know, we've talked about all of these like mixed feelings and identity stuff has drawing the comics helped you process that stuff like, like a journal might
1: it always helps to process it also helps you build a narrative that that you feel comfortable living and when things uh, get tough and when something happens that uh, you don't like it that much I always tend to make a joke out of it and uh, process it into a drawing it's always nice you always remember the drawing and not the the actual anecdote that's
0: that's interesting yeah and like take me like on the path something happens whether it's something more serious like you're going to a protest or even just you see a a jukim, a cockroach. K- Take me from that to the finished comic. Like, how, what's your process there?
1: I've tried a lot this technique of like, draw something. Just, just start drawing something, mm. and it will appear. That never happens to me. It's it's never working that way. The blank
0: page doesn't. The blank page doesn't. No,
1: not at all. Like I had a period of like two three months that I was not uh, drawing as much, and I would like sit in front of the TV while watching Succession, just I don't know, (laughs) drawing something. Yeah. And I am never happy with the result. I can Mm. be happy with the result aesthetically like i i would like uh, the drawing itself but i would rather draw something that i consider that is ugly but it speaks to me that's something that uh, mm. it's beautiful and it's not it does not mean anything to me my creative process always starts with the idea and with the thing that i want to tell more than with the idea with the thing that i want to tell if i face something and i was like we were talking about like the jukim the cockroaches <laughs> yeah so i was like i want to tell about the cockroaches in tel aviv yeah that's it that is the idea and then from there i can get 50 comics about it like Mm. i can be like okay so this 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 i can do a list and i can have like a a note in my phone with like 50 ideas about cockroaches in tel aviv and uh and that works Um, for for anyone
0: who doesn't know the the cockroaches (laughs) here are uh giant and
1: scary very scary and
0: unavoidable I think you you could live in the nicest apartment
1: I like the the word unavoidable I think that the first time one of the first times that I was uh, in Tel Aviv we were sitting in Avima square (laughs) and there was a cockroach and I just jumped yeah and my husband told me you live in Tel Aviv cockroaches are gonna touch you like you cannot avoid that once a year at least a cockroach is gonna Fall into you, like uh-huh. you're gonna touch you, so it's unavoidable. Like yeah. you're gonna have to face it. <laughs> So I have two comics about it, I think. One is like, yes, the cockroaches taking over the toilet, the bathroom. And uh, the other one is uh, about being prepared for the summer with the full equipment to kill all the cockroaches.
0: (laughs) Three of your comics that I like wanted to chat about. The first one is it's kind of like a graph. It's the living abroad and emotional journey. Do you remember that one? Yes. And we kind of touched on it. The feeling of like, wait, maybe I don't want to leave (laughs)
1: The graph is basically my journey. When I know that I have to go back home, mm-hmm. when I know that it's that I have the flight ticket and I'm like flying, the previous three weeks I would have anxiety attacks, thinking, "No, I don't want to." But <laughs> I don't, why. Why was I so stupid to buy the flight? Yeah. I don't want to. Then the moment that you're in the airport, it's okay. And then you don't want to come back. But yes, there's like this feeling of thinking, I'm not going to... I really... I have my life here. Why yeah. would I Why would I have to leave? When I was trapped in here for more than a year and a half, my flight got canceled infinite times. Three or four times that I bought the ticket and uh, it got canceled. And when I had to buy another ticket, I would... Find myself putting the weirdest excuses of <laughs> seeing the calendar and saying, oosh, my friend Yas is moving that that weekend. Right. I cannot go back home." And my husband saying, oh, "You haven't seen anyone for a year and a half. You're gonna stay to to help her with moving." When
0: you're having that anxiety about going home, do you know what you're anxious about?
1: I think it's everything. It's about identity
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's about facing who you are or who you were or like the differences between one and another i think that seeing your parents is always challenging because you will always have that regression to five years old yeah so you will always <laughs> be yourself with like five or six yeah even if you don't want to even if you're really emotionally prepared <laughs> once once you arrive there, there's, like, something triggering, something that is, like, why am I 15 right. again? Like, yeah. why, why would I feel this way? Usually it happens with your parents, but when you move abroad, it happens with your life right. in general. Everything is really reminding you uh, who you were and how everybody expects you to act with them. And maybe it's something that it's, in, that it's only in your head. Most probably, it would yeah. be only in my head. But
0: I so relate to this. Keep going. Yeah? There. Yeah, I just
1: basically you 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 have all, all these experiences all these things you have your life you have a lot of things that are now part of your new you mm-hmm. and then when you go back to your home country is uh, facing that for the rest of the people you did not change and uh, oh, they wow. keep expecting this 15 year old you
0: right i guess i'll add it's it's hard you can't really explain the change easily last time i was here i had four of my closest friends from high school visit after that i felt much more at home here and i think it was partly because there were now people in the united states who i'm close to who like don't totally understand but they saw me here they saw me wow. order coffee which is the only hebrew i know they saw me wow. know my way around they you sh-
1: just hit this spot right now because uh i actually was talking about this this week and thinking that to me is the opposite. To me, Ah. uh, everybody that I know from Israel has been in Barcelona. Everybody like during these six months period that I was still living in Barcelona and and coming and going, everybody visited. We got married in Barcelona. So all my family from here went to visit Barcelona. Knows my parents. They know my house. They know where I lived, where I grew up. And, and that that's not happened the other way around Mm. like nobody from barcelona knows anything about my yeah and i think also that the fact that it's such a different culture it's yeah. such a different world. Judaism is not something that we have uh, on a... Like, we see movies in Spain. You, mm. you don't. Uh, there's not a big Jewish community in Spain. And it's something that we don't know anything about, to be honest.
0: Do Spanish people generally go to Israel? Or is it not? It's just not on the, like, destination it's list. It's not so, on a
1: destination. So, yeah, that must
0: be so interesting for people to be like, you're where?
1: <laughs> Whenever you have to explain an anecdote from mm-hmm. here, I feel like we have to start from... Judaism 101 like uh, like it's like oh this happened in Pesach and then it's just like okay I'm just gonna explain everything till I explain w- what happened in this dinner and why I was uh, in this situation in this specific dinner
0: wow so
1: it's uh it's kind of uh that's, um, that's
0: an extra layer uh, a comic I want to ask about because I I really resonated with this one the caption is immigrant life and it's um I should be meeting new people and adapting to the culture <laughs> but it's It's you on the couch, eating chips, watching TV on your laptop. And I related to that because when you first get somewhere new, there's a bit of that feeling of, for me at least, of like, I'm on vacation. So every day, even if it's a work day, I mean, I have my work, but like, oh, I'm here in a new place. Like I have to do something new every day. I have to meet someone new every day. And this time around, I've had more days that I wouldn't even think about if I were in Boston where I'm just like, oh, I stayed home all day like oh I worked and then I cooked dinner and I watched TV and part of me feels sad about that but then part of me is like oh that means I'm comfortable here so I'm curious like yeah what you were thinking if you relate to any of that when you drew this
1: to me it was uh, exactly that feeling like knowing that you have a new scenario out there and yeah. that you are not doing things like the, the FOMO is much much bigger for everything uh, you really want to mm-hmm. be out there and enjoy the city and meet new people but I'm not like that Like <laughs> I, I understood that I, I don't like it I didn't like yeah. it in Barcelona I don't like it here either like I'm not gonna become a super social person or like uh, I'm not gonna be super outgoing either in here actually yeah. what I enjoyed uh, very much in my home country was watching Netflix I still do that
0: (laughs) so that's good so it means you feel at home to do that it sounds like yeah
1: also it's exhausting like if you have to go yeah every day to do things like no (laughs) I
0: know it's kind of nice to let go of a little bit Right now in Israel and in Tel Aviv, it's like a time of big political unrest and protests. I'm curious how you're experiencing that as someone who's like very new to the country. You drew a, a comic about the protests and about participating in the protests and the importance of that. I'm just curious, like how it feels when you're still getting to know a place, but also starting to feel invested in the future of the place.
1: I think it's very difficult to uh, actually uh, be comfortable talking about politics of a place that it's not your country because there are layers that you're never going to understand and uh, having firm opinion about something, it's always difficult. In this case, I have to say that, like, to me, it's like very black or white in this sense. It's necessary to go protest. But yeah, obviously, always with this feeling of being a foreigner and being respectful. And also one of the things that I love about Israel and politics and things that actually changed me a lot is that there's all these opinions that i never thought i would have to face mm. it's kind of uh weird to explain but i don't know growing up in barcelona you know people from of course with like uh, different opinions as yours but we are surrounded by people that more or less they think like you they do the same thing as you they maybe they don't vote the same as you but you kind of understand what they're voting and arriving to Israel and seeing seeing all these people with all these uh, opinions and all these uh, points of view that to me are sometimes very hard to relate to has actually opened my eyes a lot to sit down and understanding why this person thinks this and where Mm. is this coming from And I think it made me much more empathetic. I would have never thought that I would be talking about politics or sharing a meal with somebody that thinks something that it's completely different to... To what I believe and what I what I think that it's right. If it would be my country, maybe mm-hmm. I would be like, no, yeah. like I'm not buying this. But uh, it's not yours, so so right. like you don't have like these uh, emotional attachment that you would have with your own country. I think. Yeah,
0: I think definitely relate in some ways. I feel like my perspectives have like yeah everything you said. I don't have anything to add. I guess the you know, the only difference for me is like being Jewish and being an American Jewish person. You're like. You're connected to Israel, and you're not, and it's it's complicated there. But that's a whole other can of worms yeah. <laughs> that is uh, tough. So instead, let's go to our lightning round. But this has been so fun learning about you. Okay, so the first lightning round question, and this can be about creativity. It can just be about your life. It can be anything. The first lightning round question is: What is something you learned the hard way? that you can save other people some trouble and just give them advice to learn it an easier way by listening to you?
1: I The first thing that comes to my mind is something that actually is related to politics because we're talking about it right now and uh, living abroad and everything. I I learned it while living here in Israel and I applied it to my past life and thinking, well, maybe I was not being empathetic before Mm. and now I think that I can see things with another light is just care about the person. If you care Mm -hmm. about a specific person, don't fight a political (laughs) opinion that they have because you think that you're right. Just care about the person and the moment.
0: Um, And then what is something you learned the hard way that you're glad you learned the hard way? There was no easy way for you to learn it. You had to go through it.
1: That uh, you're not your career. Mm. This is something that I, I think I learned the hard way. You don't, you're not your career. You're, you can be a thousand <laughs> things and who cares?
0: Yeah. Ha, has like regularly creating in addition to your day job, like helped with that?
1: A hundred percent. I never thought that it would be something compatible. But yeah, I think it brings a lot to the table. I work in high tech and uh, it's a very corporate uh, environment, yeah. which I never thought that I would be doing that. I never thought that I would be working in an office nine hours a day that's something that I, I never imagined but uh, I think that if you're creative it's uh, it's something that uh, will add to your life and it will show and uh, you will be doing uh, stuff like creative stuff no matter what I do comics about my work colleagues and, and <laughs> it's it's nice like I think that it generates uh, a cool environment yeah. uh, we have a huge board in the office and there's people coming from other (laughs) floors saying what did you draw today i love it uh, it's really cool
0: and like okay if someone met if you were at a party and someone said what do you do would you just say your job in tech or would you be like i also draw cartoons
1: I think it's a very American thing Uh, to ask. I think it's a very American thing to ask. Yeah, like like in Spain at least, it's not something that uh, that people ask that much.
0: Okay. See. Yeah. All right. We've been called out, America. (laughs) We're too focused. We knew. We knew this about ourselves already. Hey, it's Alex. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, and sorry I sound weird. My. Baby is asleep in one room and my wife is asleep in the other room, so I am hiding in the bathroom. Uh, But I realized right before posting this that I forgot to ask Anna the third lightning round question, which is really strange because that's like my favorite question. That question, of course, is what is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with, in her case, cartooning and illustration. So I just DM'd her and this is her answer. Cooking while drinking wine and listening to a podcast... This should be considered an official hobby. It's the other only time, aside from when I draw, that I feel like I'm having time for myself and I'm investing in my well being. I love that. So, back to the podcast. Sorry. So, if people want to read Porkless and even, it sounds like more importantly right now, Holy Moshe and follow you, where would you direct them?
1: Oh, uh, to my Porkless Instagram. There is where I post everything. And that's it. Like, yeah i have nothing else if you have any recommendation of where to post things and like how to share things i'm sure that you know better because you actually do these things for i the mean minute.
0: instagram is pretty good for comics i guess i don't know what they just started threads i don't know if that's a good yeah. place yet but it's been around for just a date this podcast threads has been around for like four days yeah. yeah i don't know i mean you're clearly doing great people are loving it
1: i'm glad you see it that way <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's great. So that, and it's pork <laughs> underscore less, yes, right? Cool. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Anna. And uh, this has been great. Thank you.
1: Amazing. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for for inviting me. It's awesome. a, everybody's dream being in a podcast.
0: <laughs> okay. Huge thanks to Anna. I'm so appreciative that you talked with me and I'm so happy everyone got to meet you and hear uh, your unique perspective. Again, follow Pork underscore Less and check out all of her comics. I've been avoiding Instagram a little bit, but I do know she's been doing some work about um, what's going on now. So you can definitely check that out. Do all the normal podcast stuff. Subscribe, rate, review, like, all of that stuff. It uh, really helps. Think of it as putting like a dollar in my tip jar but it doesn't cost you anything except your precious precious time most of all if you like this episode if you were inspired by it if you liked what i said if you liked what anna said share it with someone that's how i find a lot of new podcasts from my friends being like hey check out this podcast the theme music is by my brother adam salzberg and his solo project typist adam also just had a baby so i have an uncle so hi ira i always like to recommend another episode or two to keep the good vibes going um Honestly, I just really want you to hear Noam Schuster Eliassi's episode from a few months ago. She is an Israeli comedian and activist and, um, I'd love for you to listen to her episode. I'd also love for you to follow her and check out her Instagram and read some of what she writes. Cause I, I think she is a very raw and powerful voice of empathy and grief right now. Okay. We'll be back in two weeks or maybe not. Things are going to be a little weird scheduled with the baby because sneaking in editing during naps, and sometimes I have to nap instead of editing. So we'll see how it goes.